Are we all settled down now? Okay, we were saying back in the, in the um, base that uh, by the time we come back, perhaps everybody will be gone, so we won't have to go through this, but a large number of people have stayed behind, so we have to continue until, as we said, one set or the other set gives up uh, because we can't cope anymore. But I must confess, I am overwhelmed by all these questions, and I've lost track of who asked what, and it all got, got mixed up now, so I apologize. I think the best policy would be just to take things and ask them. If they're relevant, just put them in the bin kind of thing and continue like that. But this question, inshallah, is to start with uh, from uh, Sheikh Shabir Ali. He says, uh, how can being, being rather than living as a homosexual be haram? It is difficult to understand how a preference can be punished. In the same way that people can change their preference between red and blue, how can they change their preference of sex? So they are practicing, but they have the tendency in this kind of things. Yeah. So uh, the, the questioner is pointing out here that there is a difference between being a homosexual and living as a homosexual. In other words, uh, being a homosexual means, according to the questioner, having homosexual tendencies. And living as a homosexual means exhibiting those tendencies, acting upon them. And the questioner is asking, how could it be haram to have these tendencies? The questioner can understand that it might be haram to practice or act upon these tendencies, but why is it haram to have these tendencies in the first place? I'm not sure anybody said that it is haram to have the tendencies. The Prophet Muhammad wasallam told his, like his companions asked him, Messenger of Allah, sometimes we have thoughts that we are even afraid to mention. He said, this is the iman. Because you cannot control what thoughts you have. You cannot control what thoughts enter your mind because this is the job of the shaitan, to always put doubts, to always put thoughts, to always put uh, ideas and, in, and invite you towards things. But how now you respond to those thoughts, that makes the difference between them, uh, one who submits to Allah and one who submits to his own desires. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talk, talks about people taking their desires as gods. And Allah talks about uh, those who will be saved, you know, those who will be saved are those who um, he, he, he prohibited his desires from, uh, from, from manifestation. So having certain tendencies or desires or something like that, that is not the thing that is prohibited. The thing is that is prohibited is acting upon it. And I'm glad that the questioner actually made this clear distinction and, and understands what exactly is haram. You can read the question yourself. Okay. This question says, Bismillah, says, what and how do we get uh, forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala besides dua? Example, uh, giving charity, etc., for theft, etc., for disobedience to uh, parents, nukta, nukta, nukta. Um, <clears throat> firstly, that there, there are two types of, of sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّئَاتِ That the good deeds cancel out or they, they overcover the bad deeds. So a person actually, if they were to count all their sins, it would be impossible. There would be so many sins that they couldn't even uh, realize that they committed these sins. And so the good deeds are forgiveness for these things that the person doesn't even realize that they've committed haram and such. The major sins, however, they need istighfar. 
They need the person to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask forgiveness for those major sins uh, that they committed. Allahu A'lam. Sheikh Jafar. It says, um, since last year, because of the 9-11 incident, uh, perhaps the perception of Muslims by the non-Muslims have taken a turn for the worse. Uh, could you talk a little bit about your experiences in the USA? Uh, is that what happened here in Britain? Um, well, that's why I think he or she says perhaps it's taken a turn for the worse. In, in, the, um, in the United States, I think it was just the opposite. Well, then, then that's what they want to hear, I think, your experiences. Um, I think, in, f in fact, many people accepted um, Islam after that. Uh, not because of the incident. Yeah? <laughs> they didn't say, oh, these Muslims are very courageous. They did this, so we must accept Islam. I mean, uh, but um, it made them um, uh, interested in asking about uh, this religion. And uh, I think the problem of many people uh, in the United States, at least, is that they are very ignorant uh, of Islam. In fact, they are ignorant of many things. But uh, they don't know much about Islam. So when they heard uh, Islam became in the news, and they said also that uh, for the first time, uh, something is, the word Islam became more than the, important than, uh, more frequent than the word sex in, in the Internet. Uh, so they went and, uh, and, and read about Islam and asked about it, and, and, and many of them uh, became Muslim. I know of uh, uh, four brothers uh, through whom uh, about 40 persons were, uh, I mean, became Muslims in, in, in just about 10 days. And, uh, and, and this, was, uh, this was the thing, the norm in, in, in many parts of the United States. Yeah. I just want to comment on that also. Um, after 9-11, because I also live in Washington, D.C., and we would go into uh, bookstores again and again and again. No. After 9-11, I walked into you know, a gigantic bookstore, and the first book that hit me at the front of the door was An Introduction to Islam. Mm. I said, subhanAllah, they brought this from the dusty shelves of the back of the bookstore to the front. And it became the, the, uh, the number one topic. And if you look at how people become Muslim, they have to uh, go to the library, find a book on Islam, then they have to be look in the yellow pages, find the masjid, they have to uh, find the imam, phone him up, he's not there. And they come a day after day after day, they say, come on, Juma, maybe someone. And then finally they accept Muslim, and you look at, Muslims have no hand in it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is guiding. After 9-11, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spread and you'll see that Islam went on, the local, uh, went on the mainstream media. And so Islam went into every person's home. And Allah azawajal passed on that Islam so that everybody heard of it. Now whenever a Muslim needs to give a speech, everybody is willing to hear because they want to hear behind the scenes of what they've seen in the media. So alhamdulillah, actually the doors of da'wah have been opened for the Muslims and it's only for us to take advantage and pick up, you know, uh, those gems. Um, back to Sharif again. Um, could you please talk about the necessity of uh, aiming to win hearts rather than just proving people wrong in a brutal or clinical manner, or a logical manner? Um, is that a technique? Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I, I think the, the question answers itself. It is important to win the hearts of people instead of just simply trying to win them over with clever arguments and, and, and logic and, and sophistication and so on. Uh, your, your message should show sincerity. Remember what um, um, uh, a brother... Um, what can I think of your name at the moment? Uh, Abu Muntasir said at the, at the very uh, start of this program, uh, when he spoke about um, you know, presenting the message of Islam to people, it is important to win people over, uh, not just simply to defeat them in argumentation, but if you show sincerity, like Omar showed, when he saw that monk uh, laboring so hard, he thought about the verse in the Quran which spoke about people laboring hard but yet coming on the day of judgment uh, as, as failures. So he wept when he saw this monk. Why did he weep? He didn't say like someone, oh, kafir, so let him burn. That's, that, that, that's not our attitude. Our attitude, be, should, our attitude should be that we love people and we really sincerely want for them to have the message which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gave us. So we want the guidance which has reached us to reach this person as well because we really care for this person. Now if in our da'wah that comes across that really we're doing this for the person, not because we want to get another number that we can come in and imagine and say hip hip hooray we got another number in our ranks, but we really want this person to get that message. And if we are sincere that will come across and that may mean much more to the person than the clear logical arguments that we have to present. Of course, there's no substitute for the clear logical arguments, but uh, there is also no substitute for the sincerity, and both of those, these have to work hand in hand. Sheikh okay. Jaffer. Uh, can Muslims join organizations which work for the general good for a certain maslaha, but could derive its funding from haram sources such as wine trade? Also, what about um, Rotary Clubs, which are reputed to be Jewish? Mm, uh, I don't know about the latter. But uh, the first one, okay, because uh, if you want to cooperate with uh, the Kafis, I mean, you don't ask them how they earn their money. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, if they want to do, uh, there's a very good, uh, uh, there's a very, a very good uh, passage in, uh, in Ibn al-Qayyim's uh, Zad al-Ma'ad uh, was commenting on Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. I wish that, uh, when that that page could be uh, translated into English. Um, he said that if anyone asks you, I mean, to that effect, I, I'm not uh, translating literally. If someone asks to be helped uh, to do something which is good, then, uh, then he must be helped, irrespective of whether he is kafir, or munafiq, or mubtadi', or whatever. Unless uh, you believe that um, uh, helping him will result in something that is more even. And, 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 and I think we have repeated this principle so many times mm -hmm. now. So yes, if from my point of view, what they are doing is good. See, in fact, I would uh, view them as helping me hmm? mm -hmm. because my duty as a Muslim is to increase the good 
and lessen the evil. So if they ask me to come and increase the good, in fact, they are helping me. Um, uh, 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 it is not me that, uh, who is helping them. No. I don't know about that Jewish... Uh, what is that? Okay, is not because I am afraid of the Jews, but... Uh, <laughs> no. I don't know. Okay, okay. this question is... Um, it happened in like a double negative, so I'll just say it. Are we not allowed to converse with the sister except for matters that are of necessity? For example, are we allowed to have chats and emailing to cousin sisters or uh, of similar age about what's happening with our life and inquiring of their life? <clears throat> All right, alhamdulillah. In, in this issue, because I know, uh, subhanAllah, the internet has opened up bounds that, that weren't open before. So uh, with brothers and sisters, before that they couldn't, you know, everything would be regulated. Now with the email, all you have to do is add a new buddy on your uh, chat messenger or something like that. And then now all of a sudden, you have a cyber wife. You have a cyber wife. Okay, they're not uh, on your buddy list. And when I say that, subhanAllah, you imagine if, you, if you're the father of this girl... And you see her spending her nights and she's up till 2 o'clock in the morning speaking with a man on the internet, chatting. That Would that please you as a father? To see your daughter speaking to another man in such a way. Of course it wouldn't be pleasing. And a lot of times we belittle the position of the wali in Islam. But the wali is there to protect the woman and also to protect that man from transgressing in his relationship with that woman. When people have um, a cyber wife like this, they actually may spend more time with that, with that uh, girl on the internet or in a chat than they may spend with their own wife. Mm. So the wife will be sitting in the other room and they say, no, I'm busy chatting. <laughs> you know, and, and because it's, it's in, the, in the chat room, you're showing the good side of you. You're showing the rih al-mursala to, uh, to the cyber wife, whereas the, the other wife, your real wife, you know, that, that brother may be um, very harsh with her. And so the relation, and you'll see, subhanAllah, if, if this goes on for a long time, tell her that we can no longer discuss this. I'm going to take you off my uh, messenger and it's over. You'll feel like you're breaking up with her. She'll say, what's wrong? What did I do? Did I say something wrong? You know, and, and you'll feel like it's a breakup. You'll know then and there that what was happening was haram. In, in fact, I think that you should not do this even with a, with a man. <laughs> I'm not talking about homosexuals, man. <laughs> uh, because this is what is called in Islam, لغو, لغو. You don't spend three, four hours um, just uh, chatting aimlessly. Mm. Uh, you don't do this, even with, with men, let alone uh, the other sex. No. How about looking for a second wife on the internet? Second wife on the internet. Hmm. You mean a second cyber wife? No. <laughs> okay. He already has four cyber wives. He needs a second uh, real wife. That's what he says. Allahu yeah. Alam, I think, um, actually, from my experience growing up in North America, that the issue of uh, getting a wife has... This is like the door of shaitan that he's opened up for the people in order for the people to do haram. 
And a person has to be very careful. And, I, and I've seen people that have taken that path of searching out, getting their own wives. And subhanAllah, I think that if someone finds a wife in such a way, that how can they accept a wife that would be willing you know, to chat with every man and create a relationship? And then someone says, okay, now I want to take her as a wife. If a person uh, finds someone that they're interested in, immediately it should go to the wali. The, the argument and the discussion should go with the wali. What uh, some brothers might do is they might meet her secretly and speak to her and then they agree and everything. And then they go to the wali and the wali says, what, you've been doing this all behind my back? And then he rejects that person. And then they go to the imam and then they say, no, we're good, she's good. But they did it all behind the wali's back. If I was a father of a daughter and I found out my daughter did this with some man, I would reject him flat out for, for taking this path if I had a daughter in such a way. And a person should be careful when taking this path. If he does find someone over the internet that they're interested in, immediately should ask, let me speak to your father, let me speak to your brother or something, and then take the proper channels inshaAllah. And not continue down the path the shaitan uh, may take them. Sisters have to be especially careful about chatting on the internet. We hear of many stories where a sister chats with somebody on the internet uh, uh, being confident that the, what is being presented as a personality from the other side is a real personality. And in fact, what is presented might actually be very distorted personalities. Uh, sometimes a sister leaves her city going to meet the, the, the person that she was chatting with and that turns out to be a rapist, a killer or some such thing. So one has to be very careful. You don't actually know who is really on the other side, do you? All you're getting is a text message or sometimes a voice message. And you, you don't really know who the person is. So it is better to not use the internet for such uh, things that Sheikh Jafar called lahu. If, if you have to sell a product and you can accept a, a credit card on it, then that's it. The deal is done and that's over with. You have no relationship with the person. Just the pure business transaction is over with and done. You, your product is gone. Your money is had. That's what the internet is good for. It's good for researching, getting information from reputable sites. But if you, if you want to chat for hours, why not instead turn to something useful? Get some knowledge about Islam or some knowledge about some other subject that will help you even in the dunya. Uh, instead of wasting your time like this. Okay. Well, I want to ask a question to Sheikh Jafar. You talk of uh, the Muslims in America. I wanted to say this for uh, eight minutes ago. The Americans, actually every Muslim in this world we all were not happy what happened to them. We condemn it. From Asia to Africa, from Europe to the Middle East, we all condemn it. Our brothers and sisters gave them a space to bomb Afghanistan, to kill many Muslims. If we, the whole Muslims in this world, gather to together from Africa, from Middle East, from Asia to go to America and build them this prince building four times or eight times, still the Americans will not be happy pleased with us. Mm -hmm. Or if we all Muslims convert to what they want us to be and it left only one Muslim, Americans would like to kill that person because he's just a Muslim. Then why is it that we Muslims, we condemn it? And the Americans are still using a certain opportunity to kill our brothers in Afghanistan. Now they are planning to attack America and to attack Iraq. 
From Iraq, they may go to Iran. From Iran, they may go to Sudan. From Sudan, they may go to Syria or Somalia or Palestine. If Americans are saying, we Muslims, we are terrorists, why are they giving arms to Israel to kill our innocent brothers and sisters in Palestine? I want to know from you. Yeah, brothers, I know that this is a very sensitive issue, but I have uh, uh, trained myself uh, to, to say what I believe is the truth, irrespective of the people. I have not been defending the United States. I know what the United States is doing, even to my own country. I know. I was defending the truth. As, as Muslims, we are required to be just. If uh, we see something wrong, we say that what the person did is wrong. But that doesn't mean that the person to whom the wrong is done is always right. I condemn, of course, if you ask me about what the Americans are doing in Afghanistan, I would not say, yes, they have the right to do, and, and, and they did this in response to what uh, happened to them in the United States. In fact, even some uh, fair-minded uh, people in the United States, they counted the numbers of uh, innocent people who were killed in Pakistan, in, in, in Afghanistan, uh, and according to the official reports of the United States itself, and the number was more than that, who were innocent, uh, uh, more than the number of innocent people killed um, in, in the Trade Center. I am not defending the United States. I am not saying uh, that what, uh, they are justified in doing what they did. In fact, in that talk, um, in which I said that that was wrong, I said, in that was uh, in, in a Jum'a prayer, and there were some people from CNN. I said that uh, if these people are Muslims, uh, and we condemn what they did, but you must remember that these are not criminals like the criminals you have in, in, in Washington. These are, are, are people who have grievances against the United States, and we share those grievances. But we are, our difference with them is in their response to, to, to redress those uh, 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 grievances. And, and, and I said that uh, the United States uh, prides itself of being a democratic country. And, and democ I, I said that it is democratic only uh, locally. But as a world power, I can tell you it has all the qualities of dictatorship. And I said to the uh, uh, congregation, and I'm, I'm telling you for, from experience, I know how dictators be, behave. So the United States is behaving like a dictator. And, 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 and this, is, this is what is happening until now. Just two or three days ago, the majority, what they call him, whip in, in, in Congress, was attacking all Europe because they didn't agree with them to attack Iraq. And they said that these Europeans and, and, and have been used to appeasement, and they don't learn from their history. Then he attacked the Middle East. Then he said that we are not, um, uh, we are not responsible even to world opinion. We do what is in the, uh, in, uh, the, uh, in the national interest of the United States. 
So the United States, according even to what the, uh, some Americans are saying, is violating uh, international law. It, is, it, it, is, it, it, it has no logic in, uh, in, in what it is uh, now intending to do in Iraq. Sometimes they say he's a danger to his neighbors. And they, uh, his neighbors come and say, don't attack him. Yeah. Are, are you doing this to defend us? So we don't want you to attack, uh, attack him. Uh, Sometimes they say he's a menace to his own people. Then, then the answer is, there are so many people like him in the world. Why don't you go and, 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 and attack them? So I'm not defending the United States. And we must train ourselves to be just. Uh, we don't become just when justice is in our interest. We become just even if justice is against us. This is for Brother Shabir Ali. Uh, how would you answer someone who says, I believe in God, but I don't accept the holy books? Uh, following my own moral sense and doing what I think is right is a better way to live, li live peacefully with other human beings. Mm. Well, the, the, the books, uh, uh, scriptures, communications from God, tell us how really to respond to God. Somebody says, no, well, I want to be good to God, but in my own way. Like the song that says, I did it my way. Uh, but how do you know that your way is pleasing to God? If I want to give a gift to one of you brothers, I have to give you a gift that you will be pleased with, not what I will be pleased with. Suppose I give you a bunch of roses and it turns out that you are allergic to roses. <laughs> so I have to give you what you will be happy with. So how can we, just by our reason, know what uh, Allah wants from us? We wouldn't know. Uh, so reason has its limitations. And the way to overcome that is by Allah reaching down with a communication from him to us, telling us how exactly he wants us to respond to him. And that's what he's done in his holy scriptures, especially the last of all of the scriptures, the glorious Quran. So to be good to Allah now means we have to follow that scripture. Um, I was uh, talking with uh, Brother Shabir about this. And I said, in fact, you can argue with the person. If he really believes in, 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 in God and he loves him, he should come to the conclusion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not leave people without guidance. Mm. This should be part of his belief in God. He, and if he should say to himself, uh, this uh, God is so kind that he is pr uh, providing us with all our physical needs. Huh? How could he neglect to give us something that we need and more than uh, eating and drinking, we need to live a life that is pleasurable to him. How can he neglect um, uh, this? And that's why the Quran said, وَمَا قَدَرُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ إِذْ قَالُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَى بَشَرٍ مِنْ شَيْءٍ And they did not give Allah his due when they said that Allah never uh, uh, sent down any uh, message to any prophet. Uh, when the Quran asked, uh, yeah, talks rhetorically like this. This means that that matter should be understood even without revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks also a rhetorical question, this means that this, this, this is something obvious. 
يعني you should if you really believe in God you should come to the conclusion that there must be guidance from him somewhere in this world if it is not in Christianity or Judaism then look for something else hmm. be, but uh, many Europeans are, are very arrogant they think that um, everything that they have is the best if they speak English it's the best language in the world if they speak French it is the best language in the world if their color is white that is the best color in the world um, if they have a religion that must be the best religion uh, in the world and if it, uh, they find some defects in, in, uh, in their religion they, their reaction is that if the religion of these uh, people you know, civilized people has so many defects then what about the religion of people in the Sudan or uh, people whom we have conquered and ruled and so on, how can their religion be better than? And this is a fitna. Uh, this was the fitna uh, for Pharaoh. Hmm? He refused to follow uh, Musa because he said, I am ruling his people. Mm-hmm. This is a fitna. And, and so, um, I digress a little, uh, the, the weakness of the Muslims is not only bad for them, it is bad for the whole world. Uh, people will despise you when you see, they, they see you um, materially very weak and that you need them, you need their protection. This will send them away even from your, uh, uh, your religion, with the exception of some uh, few individuals who, who don't care about this and who look into the arguments and, and, and who are seeking uh, the truth. All right, Bismillah. This question is saying, uh, please advise me on how to be able to pray Fajr all the time. And it's actually interesting. Uh, as one of the points, I said, don't be in a question and answer period too long so that you don't get enough uh, rest before <laughs> Fajr. Number one is that uh, a person should be uh, sincere in, in their desire to pray Fajr. They should be sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they really do want to pray Fajr. They should make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them the tawfiq to wake up for fajr. And not just try to uh, put it on themselves, but ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them the strength to do it. Of, uh, of the things that I've found that, that help are to uh, carpool to, to fajr. Carpool, you say carpool here? I see people that have question marks on their faces. What's carpool? Carpool is when you, uh, you know, on the, on the highway... We have hub lane. High, <laughs> high occupancy vehicle, right? Carpooling is when you go to work with other people in your car so that you save uh, space on the, on the highway so there will be less traffic. That's why environmentalism talks. No, <laughs> no. It's called carpooling. What we call it is like taking a, a carpool, like if this is an apartment of brothers living here, no. that a person doesn't go for Fedra by himself, but at least one other person goes with them. So that when that person uh, wakes up, and when you do this with someone who's very consistent in Fajr, they'll phone you up and say, Brother, I'm waiting for you downstairs. Could you please hurry up? And then it's not a question of, well, you know, wake up for Fajr, and then you're left. But they're actually waiting downstairs, and the car is running, and they're spending their gas waiting for you. When it's in such a way, then you'll feel the pressure of, of waking up, and you'll be able, you know, the brothers helping each other to get up. One thing also that... Um, 
that helps. And, and sometimes we have like people in our families and so on. We're trying to wake them up for Fajr. Sometimes, uh, you know, a father may start shouting at the child, swearing at them and beat them and saying, Munafiqeen, get up, and so on. But like we said about the posters, just ripping it down, I don't think it helps. One thing, if you're a parent or you have someone or you want to help yourself, if you have something that will... Um, you know how when you're tired, you drink coffee? I don't want to get into coffee and tea here. We're in Britain. But if you drink coffee, if you wake up for Fajr and there's like a strawberry beside you or a piece of banana or something like that and you plop it into your mouth right when you wake up, it'll you know, explode in your body after an entire night of, of um, exhaustion. <laughs> that will perk all your senses. And then you will have the energy. And you'll see people in Ramadan, they get up for suhoor. More than they would get up for fajr. So think of it that you're getting up for your you know, morning little snack. And then go for fajr after that. That snack, inshallah, will give you uh, the strength to continue. Also that you should uh, fight it. In the beginning, it will be hard. No doubt about that. And that's with all the a'mal. A person does it in the beginning until they prove their sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah Azzawajal makes it easy for the person. As one of the Salaf said, that he had uh, fought himself every, or every time he got up for Qiyamul Layl for an entire year. And then he said that after that for 20 years, فَتَلَدَّثْتُ بِهَا عَشْرِينَ عَامًا After that. But because of one year of, of jihad and, and fighting to get up for his Qiyamul Layl, 20 years after that, it was the complete sweetness of his, of his heart to get up for that Qiyamul Layl. So when a person, and you see people in the Masjid for Fajr that have gotten to that stage, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from, to make us from those, but I'm sure that they went through a stage of fighting their souls until their, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with this, that He made it easy for them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of them. Related to Fajr prayer. Also find out where Brother Muhammad Sharif is leading the prayer and make sure you go there. You won't want to miss any one of it. Allah Alam. May Allah give you more of that. Bismillah. This question is related to dua. Um, basically, uh, there's an opinion by Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimullah, that basically dua should be made within the salah and not outside of it i.e., for example, um, in between the sittings or in sujood or um, basically at the end after the shahud and just before the, the salams. So are you familiar with this? Would you be able to comment on this? Okay, um, inshallah. I just wanted to say that, you know, the dua after salah, and I, and I know it's become like a cultural practice among some Muslims, and it, and it has the tone of uh, a bid'ah. It has the tone of it. You'll see certain people that they won't get up after the salah until the imam raises his hands. And then they feel that they cannot leave the masjid until the imam has done that and then they go on. And then in such a situation, it's like they're adding it to the salah. But one thing I just want to make clear is that there's no forbiddance of making dua after salah. There's no nahi. So it goes both ways. If a person wants to go to someone, put your hands down, don't make dua after salah, the question says, what's your delay that we should not make dua after salah? Right? So it goes both ways. What I'm saying is when it's institutionalized, that the person thinks that their salah isn't complete until they um, uh, make dua, this is wrong. But on the same side, the people that don't make dua um, after salah because of this, 
You may see that they may go month, uh, weeks upon weeks not making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if they're not making it after salah, they have to be making it somewhere else. Right? If, that, if that's not the place that they want to make it, whether it's in their car, whether in their home, in their sajda, or anywhere, they should still be increasing because dua is part of our deen. Uh, but, but as he said, you make it um, inside the salah. Itself. Inside the salah, yeah. Uh, the reasoning behind that was basically that when you're in the salah, you're in a conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you, when, the, when you give the salams, basically that conversation is ended. So the best time to make the dua is, would be basically within the salah. Yes. No. So that, that, that dua is raised up along with the prayer. There's no doubt about that, but what we're saying is that it doesn't nullify making the dua after the prayer. This is the best time when a person is close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their sajda, and they may have a better chance of having their dua accepted, but that's not the only time that they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make dua. I agree that one should not quarrel with people about this, but the, the argument for not making dua in, in, in the sense of raising a hand like this is very good that uh, the Sahaba told us about all the details, especially of the Salah. And then there is no report at all that uh, the Prophet or any one of those who prayed behind him used to raise their hands and make dua after the Salah. That doesn't mean that you are not allowed to raise your hand and make dua on other occasions. And in fact, uh, Sheikh um, uh, Bakr Abu Zaid said that the hadith on, of raising the hand are mutawatir. So there is no doubt about this. You can raise your hand. Uh, and, and from time to time also you can raise your hand uh, and make dua after the salah. But if you make it a sunnah that every time you make, uh, uh, you, you say assalamu alaikum, especially I, I saw some people, uh, especially from uh, Pakistan, uh, immediately after they say assalamu alaikum, even before uh, uh, yani saying the, the things that the Prophet وسلم, recommended, that after you say Salaamu Alaikum, you say Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. There is, you are recommended to uh, make tasbih, you are recommended to recite Surah, uh, I mean, Ayat Al Kursi, you are recommended to uh, read. Uh, 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 so you do what the Prophet um, asked you to do. And there is a dua included in, in most of this uh, 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 zikr. So I agree with uh, the brother that uh, you should not quarrel with, uh, with people, or especially on I mean, this issue, because I mean, the number of people who pray is very... <laughs> so I don't want to quarrel with people who pray. I want to quarrel with people uh, uh, who don't pray. But if someone asks me, and he wants sincerely to do uh, what is ne nearest to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, so I will tell him about this in a, in, in, in a nice way. As for Brother Shabir, yesterday you mentioned about the four constants being perfectly tuned. Uh, how do we answer the disbelievers' claim that there are millions of parallel universes, and so one of them eventually had to have the perfect balance. Hmm. So here, the, the atheist um, says, well, you know, if we, if we start with a quantum vacuum, 
Um, and we have here a collection of, uh, of particles, positive and negative. There are some fluctuations in this vacuum, and it gives rise to a universe. Okay, well, that one does not have the perfect balance, so it does not give rise to human beings. It doesn't give rise to us. And uh, this uh, sort of fluctuations of starting of a universe and it's collapsing back on itself and going in several different directions and getting nowhere, this happens an infinite number of times. And so you have many parallel universes out there, many of which are not suitable for life, and only one of them happens to be suitable for us to develop in, and here we are. And so now when we observe our universe with this perfect balance, we say, oh, uh, here is uh, a proof that God exists, uh, ignoring the other universes that are out there. But we should answer that by saying that in order to deny what is obvious, the scientist here has, instead of arriving at the belief in God, has arrived in the belief uh, in, in, in an infinite number of parallel universes. And Occam's razor gives us a simpler guide and says, you know, shave off all those unnecessary uh, hypotheses and arrive at what is more obvious. When we see what, uh, what appears to be design, we automatically conclude that there is a designer. Now, we observe that there is design here. Why not automatically conclude that there is a designer? Now, instead of concluding that there is a designer, the scientist says, no, let us imagine that there are <laughs> an infinite number of parallel universes. We say it's simpler than that. Why not imagine that there is an infinite being who gave rise to this universe? That is much simpler. Uh, the scientist's explanation pretends to be simpler, but it is more complex. For example, if you start with a quantum vacuum, that is already something that is doing something. Now, what caused this? Is this a necessary being? And the answer to that is no. It, there, there, is, it, there is no reason why a quantum vacuum has to exist. When we speak about God, we speak about a necessary being. Remember my logical analysis saying that this universe began to exist and therefore it must have a cause for its existence. And as we go back to this logical analysis, we arrive at a necessary being. Now that is different from a contingent being. Something that is contingent may or may not exist. So we can imagine this world, it may or may not exist. Therefore it is contingent. Since it is contingent and it does exist, it needs an explanation for its existence. And we arrive at the necessary explanation in God. But now, if you say that there is a quantum vacuum, you want to deny the existence of God, well then, what gave rise to this quantum vacuum in the first place? That itself is contingent. And if you say that this quantum vacuum um, goes through a number of uh, cycles, a, an infinite number of, of cycles, well, what law is operating on this quantum vacuum to make sure that it goes through all those infinite cycles? How do you know it actually goes through the infinite cycles? So, the scientist here depends on a lot of imagination and then blames the theist, the believer, uh, and says, no, what you have is imagination or belief or something like this. Whereas, in fact, the scientist uh, now is depending on a lot of imagination and imagining much more than our simple explanation that God is the cause uh, of this universe. Let's look at it another way. Now, we are here in a universe which appears to be extremely and, and systematically finely tuned to produce us as we are here. So now, uh, one uh, way of looking at it is to say, oh, wait a minute, we are extremely lucky. We are just uh, uh, here because we happen to be in that one random event among uh, infinite random events that just happen to be right for us now. 
But is that the, the better way to look at it? Or is it um, better to say that some benefactor has actually given us what we have? Let me put it in a, in a, in a different way. You know, one who is put before a firing squad, let's say of a hundred sh- sharpshooters, you know, they all take a shot at him. Um, usually, you know, all of them have blanks except one who, who actually fires the shot. Now, that helps the sharpshooters because at the end of the day, they can go home at night and think, well, you know, it's not my shot that killed him, right? He can go home not feeling guilty. So now, suppose this, um, this criminal who has been condemned, he's there, and, and suppose you are that person. Let's imagine this for a moment. So you're there, and uh, these hundred sharpshooters all fire away at you, and at the end of it, you're still alive. Now, you got off scot-free because they cannot put you under the firing squad twice. It turns out that they all had blanks. Now, what do you conclude? Do you conclude that, well, it just so happens, you know, out of a hundred billion killings, you know, once it will turn out that all of them will have blanks. And I just happen to be on that one occasion when it, out of that one hundred billion killings, when all of these rifles turned out to have blanks. Would you conclude that? Or would you conclude that you have a friend on the other side? Worse yet, conclude they have a friend on the other side. So when we now find ourselves in a universe which appeared to be finely tuned, perfectly balanced, in order to produce us at the, at the end, should we conclude that we are just in the one uh, out of a million, of a billion, even an infinite number of parallel universes that turned out to be just right for us? Or should we conclude that we have a friend on the other side? I think this is a more reasonable conclusion, and that is the one I commend to all our scientist friends. I, I just want to make a comment on, on this also. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> SubhanAllah, just, uh, just from, our, from what we've seen in the news, when the, when the first airplane hit the World Trade Center, right, and, and there was a, a short span of time between the two airplanes, when the first airplane hit, there was all these theories going out. One is, was it an accident? Was it terrorism? Was it this? The theories were going and everybody was, was speculating. And as they stood there speculating... The second airplane came in, hit the other tower, and it went down. And then they said, for sure, 100%, it is terrorism. This is with their own minds. And now, subhanAllah, if they said that the world came into coincidence, you say after you know a trillion years or how many years it took, that finally this cell evolved into one human being, maybe we'll believe it if it was one human. But six billion airplanes going into the World Trade Center... How can you believe something like that? And as Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he said when the people came and they said they believed that uh, this uh, book was revealed to Musaylima, and then they recited some of the verses, he said to them, وَيْحَكُمْ أَيْنَ كَانَ يَذْهَبْ بِعْقُولِكُمْ He said, woe to you, where did your mind go that you would believe something like this? And they make it so fancy in their media and in their pictures, but it's the most foolish of thoughts. And then the, the statement comes back that where are the people's minds that they would believe such foolishness? Such foolishness? Foolishness. I think it's rather late. Uh, and some brothers do want to go and some are leaving. Uh, and we need to uh, find out whether we should continue or close it or not. And I have a slight dilemma. If I ask the speakers and they say they want to stay and you all want to leave, they'll be insulting to them. And if you all leave, you know, then there's no point in them staying. So I don't know who to ask, but I need to get an indication here. I think speakers are tired, and we only have about four hours left before Fajr. Five o'clock is Fajr. I mean, do you really want to continue, or 
Uh, this is a, this is a, put in a very succinct manner, but th- there's much behind this question, as you might as you, as you must know. A lot of um, brothers and sisters experience this problem in the UK. Might be the same in the States about divided loyalty or duty towards mother and wife, especially for the husband. The question is, who has most right, the mother or the wife? Because it, what? Normally what happens in Asian families, I don't know if it happens in other cultures or not, um, parents tend to be rather possessive of their sons. And the sons then become almost like as a, you know, in the middle, a mother demands that you come home every week or you spend time with me, whereas the wife says, why do we have to go to your parents' home every week? And, and then who do I please more? Who has more rights? This kind of thing, mother or wife. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divided uh, rights. Mother has right, uh, wife has right, uh, and so on. So uh, you should not deprive your mother of her right, um, uh, give, give her right at the expense of the wife or, or, or otherwise. Right. But I cannot say how you can <laughs> divide that. Uh, divide that. Uh, I cannot say you spend so much time with your wife, so much time with your, uh, your mother, but you visit your mother. The normal thing for a person is to be at home with his wife. And then he goes and visits his, his mother. But if you stay with your mother all the time and come and visit your wife, uh, the, 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 you will not be giving the wife what, uh, what, uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her. The normal thing for a person is to be at home with his wife, especially when he comes to have children. Yeah. So uh, parents should not be uh, possessive of, of, of their children. I know this is a vague answer, but uh, hmm. it's the only thing I have. No. Um, people sometimes say, we all believe in God. Only religions are different, and we should respect each other's religions or beliefs. Well, true, we should respect each other's uh, religions and, and beliefs. At the end of the day, we should realize that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us to be Muslims by either uh, giving us the grace to be born in Muslim families and Muslim lands, or he gave us the opportunity to come into such a situation where we either became familiar with Muslims or familiar with Islam or, or whatever. There are certain circumstances that are unique to us, and as a result of that, we are Muslims. And for that, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he did not guide us, we could not be guided. This is what we understand and we believe. So we remain humble. We cannot now use this to say, well, you know, look at these other people and uh, condemn them. No, we discuss the various religious beliefs and precepts and so on in order to uh, analyze what really are the right decisions to make in life. Should we remain as we are as a Muslim? Should we turn to some other religion? Or more importantly, how do we explain to people of other religions so that they should understand that Islam is the true guidance for all of humanity? 
Uh, so we study the religions and we discuss them from that point of view. And, so, and when we discuss them naturally, we have to conclude that something is right and something is wrong, or something is right and something is more right. Uh, or something is partially true and something is even more true than that, which is the, the Islam that we talk about. But uh, we do not disdain other people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best judge. And uh, Allah tells us that He's going to judge people. لِنَبْلُوَكُمْ fima atakum, So that He's going to judge you according to what He has given you. So other people in different parts of the world exposed to different teachings, different teachers, different uh, cultural practices and so on, they have a certain level of guidance which has reached them. Whether that be Islam, whether it be um, another form of Islam that came through with the teachings of one of the previous prophets or whatever, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Ahsanul Hakimin. He is the best of judges, He is just to everyone, and He will judge people according to what has reached them. So uh, we do not uh, disdain other people, we respect them, we respect uh, their rights to have uh, a different opinion from us, to follow a different religion from, from us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings uh, a limited free will so that they can make choices. And since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala respects the right of human beings uh, to, to be of another religion, who are us to not respect that right also? If Allah wanted, He could have forced everybody to be Muslim. He could have made them such so that everybody is Muslim. But that was not His, uh, his will and His plan. So as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves people as they are, we should also respect their right to differ from us, to have a different religion, to have a different opinion, and so on. But our duty then is to give them da'wah in a very sincere manner. Just because people have a right to, to, to believe what they believe, it doesn't mean that they are right in what they believe. And that now is what we have to explain to the questioner. The questioner seems to imply, well, everybody is a right and that's okay, respect everyone, accept that everything is true. No, just because we respect a person's right to his beliefs, doesn't mean we should conclude that he is right in what he believes. There's a vast difference between the two things. And uh, we have to share with that person what we understand to be the right belief as has been revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Qur'an and in the sunnah of the Prophet Yes, I think that uh, this is something very important. And uh, a brother has to remember that in Islam there is a distinction between the way we treat beliefs and uh, the way we treat believers. As far as beliefs are concerned, there is no compromise. Why well, I can't say to a person who says um, Allah is one of three or he is three um, that I respect your belief. I don't respect it because it's something that is hateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't like it. So I will tell him that his belief is wrong and I don't compromise with him on that. But the way I treat him as a, as a person, as a believer, is different. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, told us to be uh, nice to people when we, we invite them, we invite them in a nice way, uh, we can be generous to them, we can help them, we can, and all these are ways of uh, uh, persuading them to come to, to, the, right, uh, to, to, to the right belief. So uh, many people now confuse these two. They think that to be uh, nice to people, you have to say, um, well, um, there is no big difference between you and, and us. Uh, our um, beliefs are complementary. You need me, I need you. And, uh, unless we don't say this. Uh, we, we don't say this. Uh, and, and, and it is true that uh, the, ma the majority of human beings believe in the existence of God. And, and it is from there that we start. In fact, the number of uh, essays is very meager. 
Uh, in the United States, they say it is about, uh, I think, 4 or 5 percent. In Europe, it is slightly uh, greater than that. But in, uh, I think in non-Western world, it, is, it, it must be even less than 4 or 5 percent. Uh, but they have become very vocal, and, and, uh, and, the, and, and their voices are very loud. And, and sometimes, uh, I want also to, uh, to remind you, not everything that a scientist says is based on science. Not because someone is an, an Einstein, and so uh, w when he talks about the existence of God, he is talking as a physicist. No. I, I read many of the, of the books on, on, on the existence of God uh, written by, by scientists, and some of them are very honest. And they, they tell you that they are not talking as scientists, but they are using some of their knowledge as scientists to support, of what, support what is mostly philosophy. Mm -hmm. And they are very, inf very much influenced by the, uh, by, by the philosophers of, the, of, of their countries or the, the philosophers of, of the West. So we should not uh, be, uh, uh, be uh, what do you say, uh, afraid or, or there's another good word that I forgot it. <laughs> uh, we should not be frightened by this just because someone is a great scientist and he says uh, that God doesn't exist. Uh, and we say that scientists say so. No, not every scientist says that. And even this one is not talking at a scientist. I also wanted to add that the problem for, for, for many who use science now to prove uh, that there is no, uh, there is no God, uh, I mean, there is no proof, in fact, <laughs> but, uh, but to defend their, their claim uh, that they know, don't need God is not... Uh, uh, the question of chance and so on. Because when you, when you talk about chance, you are, led, you are already assuming that there is something. You can't say something came out of nothing by chance. What? That doesn't make sense. But if there is a chance, this means that there are already existence. This exists, this exists. That hit that one by chance. Huh? Mm -hmm. But if there is nothing, and suddenly, <laughs> you can't say this came by chance. And I would like to remind you of something that, inshallah, will be very useful to you. The, the, uh, don't start with trying to prove the existence of God. This is not the Quranic way. You assume that there is God, there is a creator. And then you ask him to prove or to explain how the world came to be. If you ask me how it came to be, I say, it is created by, by God. How do you explain it? Uh, it's coming to be. And the Quran tells us that they they have to say one of two things, both of which are completely irrational. Either they say that it came out of nothing, and believe me, this is what many of the atheists, even the, the scientists among them, are saying. 
there is free lunch, they say. <laughs> free lunch. Mm -hmm. There was nothing, nothing. And then suddenly that uh, uh, atom uh, <laughs> came into being. No rational person would say something like this in ordinary life. If uh, otherwise, we can't explain anything. If you ask me, um, uh, why is this here? I said, it just came. <laughs> Who filled with uh, water? Who filled with water? I don't know. It came out of nothing. Or they say, or they created themselves. Because either it comes out of nothing, which is impossible, or you say it created itself. But you say created itself, that expression is itself a contradiction in terms. Because for it to create, it must exist. But if it exists, it doesn't need to be created. To say that something created itself is a contradiction in terms. And believe me also, that this is what many of the contemporary essays are saying. Either they say that that atom of the, of the big man, mm. either they say it came out of nothing, mm. or they say it created itself. And so just remember these two. When, when someone argues with you about the existence of, uh, of the creator, uh, make the honors of uh, yani proof on him. You say, I believe, and the best explanation, as the brother was said, is that it was created by an eternal uh, being, a necessary being. This is my explanation. What is your explanation? But now we make uh, the, 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 the atheists feel as if they have no problem. He sits on his armchair and says, you prove the existence mm -hmm. of the creator. And we labor to, uh, to do this. Now, I think we should uh, uh, argue in the Quranic uh, uh, rational way. Mm -hmm. yeah. <coughs> All right, next question, inshallah. This one says, <coughs> Assalamu alaikum, brother. This is a question on behalf of my brother here who is below 20 years of age. Number one, why do we have to pray? And number two is, how do we know Islam is true compared to other religions? Jazakallah khairan. Um, the question about uh, why we pray, and like I said, uh, I grew up in Canada where these questions always happen, the why, why, why. <clears throat> and one thing that I, I, I came to learn, and I'm explaining this like my thought process being programmed in, in the West, and then uh, how I came to resolve these things. Number one is that the answer to the why is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so. Someone says, why do we pray? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَقِيمُ salah." Because Allah Azza says, establish the prayer. And when you get a book, and, and I'll recommend it inshallah, that you have a book outside that says, why do we pray? Those are maybe some benefits that a human being will reflect on the Quran and Sunnah in life and come in, but you have to realize that this is just a human reflecting upon these things. Just doing ijtihad of some benefits to praying. But why do we pray? We pray because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says so. And I said this in the other lecture because when some people they say, why do we not eat pork? And a Muslim may say, we don't eat pork because it's bad for our health. And then someone else will argue, well, you know, coffee is bad for our health too. How come that's not haram? 
And actually the person who answered the question made a mistake because we don't eat pork, not because it's bad for our health, but because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so. And Aisha radiallahu anha was once asked a question and, and, she, and she was asked that why is it that when a woman is in her menses that she has to redo her fasting but she, has, she doesn't have to redo her salah. And the question was, why? Right? Listen to Aisha radiallahu anha's answer. She said, Aharuriyatun anti. She said, are you from like the khawarij? And she got angry at the question. And she said, at the time of the Prophet wasallam, we were commanded to do our uh, fast and we weren't commanded to do our prayers. And if you notice her answer, it's the exact reply of the question. The person already knows that. But the answer is, we were commanded to do this. This is the commandment of Allah and His Messenger To help your brother in, in... So that's not the question. You can help you know, explaining the hikam of a human being that may, you know, ijtihad. But it's to build love and iman in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and love in the salah. Because when the question comes and says, why do we have to pray? It seems like we're doing a duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That it's, it's for Allah's benefit they were praying and they said, why does Allah need our salah? And this is a misconception in the person's mind because the salah is for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need the salah and the benefits are all upon us. <clears throat> the other question about uh, how do we know that uh, Islam is the truth and inshallah, um, Shaykh can, can reply that. But I just wanted to say like how I came to the conclusion myself. Like I said, growing up in Canada... And I went, in, in, when I was younger, I said, I'm going to study Christianity, I'm going to study these things, because if it's the truth, I'm going to follow it, and nothing's going to stop me. And so when I began uh, learning about Christianity, I said, subhanAllah, if there's maybe one shubha, maybe a problem someone has in Islam, one, two, just try Christianity out. Just try it out first. You know, if there's a one-two, you know, the women's issue or, or something like that in Islam that a person has a problem with, try out Christianity. Apply the same um, uh, research to Christianity. You'll be, uh, you'll have an explosion of inconsistencies in your face. And when I saw this, I knew that we had the truth in Islam. That was one. The second thing is that when I saw people going off on their own and saying, making up their own beliefs, that say, I don't want to follow these religions and so on. And I thought to myself, that you're, and, and this is like the arrogance of the human being, to think that over all humanity, that Allah only chose to guide them to a certain guidance, and that everybody else is wrong. And this is the arrogance of the person thinking that only he, out of you know, oceans upon oceans of the, of the people, is the only one that's correct. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the guidance, and there are people who accepted that guidance. Allah azza wa also says in the Qur'an, and a lot of parents, when they, they teach their children, they tell them things like, oh, you're not supposed to ask, and you're not, you know, don't try, alert. this is just what we do. But this is not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us why we do these things. And Allah azza wa calls us to open our minds. You'll see the ayat coming, afala ta'qilun. Don't you have minds to think? And as Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, which we just uh, quoted, he said, Aina kan Where did your minds go that you would believe something like this? So Islam calls for the person to open their minds. Recently we did a, a tafsir Juz'amman and we uh, spoke a little bit of, about it before. And I learned there that subhanAllah all the guidance is there in the ayat. 
And Allah Azzajal, ayah after ayah after ayah, so much so the people who are in the class, they said that now when we disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know that we're going to be in big trouble for it because we have the ilm. And it's not just a ritual, a blind ritual that we're following. And this is just just amma. Someone gets to a level they learn so much. Imagine if they go through the entire Quran. And we fool ourselves in fact. Many of us never read the Quran even without understanding. In Ramadan time comes only the Hafid reads it in Taraweeh. Some of us come for Taraweeh, some of us don't. But all those ayat were meant for our guidance. And we fool ourselves to think that we can just bypass it and we can... Uh, get to the spirituality uh, in other ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this Qur'an for our hidayah. And if someone really wants to uh, increase their iman, they have to see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling them to in the Qur'an. And if there's any other comments. Uh, may I make one comment? That, uh, uh, of course, the exception to what you said is that if there are reasons given in the Quran no, itself no. or in the Hadith, and, and, and when it comes to the fundamentals of the, of, of the religion, you find uh, many uh, 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 reasons and, and, yes, uh, and illa, what do you say? Uh, or, uh, uh, yes, uh, secrets of, of, of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. For example, the, 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 the Salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ That salah uh, protects you, it helps you not to commit grave sins. وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرِ And the dhikr that is found in the salah is even greater than it's uh, preventing you from uh, this and that. And Allah says about all the uh, different uh, 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 acts of worship, uh, that they increase your taqwa. And taqwa means that you protect yourself from hellfire. You don't protect yourself from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You t protect yourself from Allah's uh, punishment. So if someone says, why do we pray? You can ask him, why do you eat? If he says, I eat because I want to keep my body healthy, you say there are also uh, nourishments for the soul. And, 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 and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prescribes to us what we do for our, our souls, uh, for, for the well-being of, of our souls. And, uh, it might, and, and once we do this, and you can tell him that, that you, you find from your own experience uh, the difference between uh, your state of mind or spirit when, when you pray, uh, when you come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when you are uh, further from him, even, even as a Muslim. So, so you can give uh, the person so many uh, reasons based on uh, the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet But it's true what he said, like the example of the, of, of the khinzir and so on. You might not find Allah just said it's filthy. And, 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 and there is no doubt that it's filthy. <laughs> and... Uh, so I am not saying that you can find uh, reasons for everything because the, the, the meaning of being uh, of, of, of Islam is to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to trust him. In fact, you don't do this even with human beings. Uh, you don't go to uh, a physician and he asks, he gives you uh, pills of different colors. He says, take this after this meal and take that after... Uh, when you get up in, in the morning uh, and, and you don't say, I want to know why. 
why two pills and not three? Mm? Uh, if two are good, why can't three be even better? <laughs> why after meal? Why in the morning? You don't do this because you trust him. You know he knows his job better than you. You just follow. You submit. <laughs> and the same should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Iman uh, has the sense also of, faith, uh, of, of, of trust. You have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You trust him. So whenever he tells you to do something, you must say to yourself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want just to burden me. Just like when the, prophet, the, 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 the physician says, uh, don't eat or don't drink or do, do this. He, 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 he doesn't want to make your life uh, uh, difficult. He wants to cure your disease. So the same with uh, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to, to, to do or prohibited us from doing. Uh, we are not doing this for the benefit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we are doing it for the benefit of ourselves. And that is why we should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every time we pray, we should uh, be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that uh, he helped us to pray. After time, even when we say astaghfirullah, when, when Ali said that yani, there is no end to Allah's favor, because uh, even when you say uh, uh, yani, when you say uh, you express your, your, your gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that itself is a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. so if, every time you say uh, alhamdulillah even you're saying this is a favor from Allah so you have to say alhamdulillah for saying alhamdulillah and then for alhamdulillah for saying alhamdulillah there is, the, there is no end to this uh, that shows you how يعني, uh, a muslim should respond uh, to allah's uh, uh, favor well i think it's one it's gone past one thirty, and um, if anybody has a question maybe perhaps they can uh, ask later <laughs> i think people do want to go now inshallah jazakumullah khairan thank you very much سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت